0: Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with the Slate Spoiler Special Podcast on The along Greece, the re-release of the 1978 musical. With me here in the studio is June Thomas. Hi, June. Hey, Dana. Who is Slate's foreign editor and one of my um, standbys when it comes to musical theater productions, because you're a theater nerd. And um, so, oh, one thing we should warn everyone before we get started. I've been forgetting to say this, but this is a spoiler special. So if you don't want to know what happens in the 1978 (laughs) Greece, um, skip ahead until after you've, you've seen it. So, um, June, we saw Grease Together last night. Um, It was a sing-along press screening, which is a strange combination. They did manage to rope some members of the public in, but it obviously is a little bit less participatory than they're hoping things will be um, along the line during the re-release. But what did you think of the movie, and how did it hold up after all these years?
1: Well, it's funny. I think I thought I had seen it on a big screen, but it was only seeing it that way that I realized I hadn't. I suppose I'd only seen it on television uh, because, obviously, it came out – Actually, it came out when I was in high school, but I didn't see it then. Um, And it also was in that pre-DVD era. Uh, I mean, obviously, it has been available for many years now. But, you know, there was kind of a gap between, you know, you had to wait for the appointment screening, uh, you know. So it wasn't something you could just do on a nightly basis like like these days. Um, And it kind of is shocking. I mean, it's a musical or a movie, that has this amazing life and yet when you see it it does actually to me I know you have a a kind of a you have a higher opinion of it's the way it holds up than I do. Oh you didn't think it did hold up? I mean it did because it's obviously you know it's a one big joke you know it's a movie you're not meant to take even slightly seriously but you know the kind of the humor that you know it just felt a little bit kind of creaky around the edges to me.
0: I will say that I guess the humor, I mean, things that were supposed to be actual jokes didn't necessarily hold up but I right. don't know that those were so funny at the time. I right. think what I was surprised that held up were, well, all the songs, I think the music and choreography and, and singing is all pretty great yeah, and that it's just pretty tightly woven together. It doesn't feel like one of those musicals and this is always the task of the movie musical sort of post the great MGM golden era. Mm-hmm. We don't really know how to make musicals feel organic anymore and how to make the transition from the you know recitative into right. the, into the music make any sense and i think that this movie directed by randall kleiser manages to hold those the the talking and the singing together surprisingly well and to move along
1: you're, you're absolutely right about that i mean because it is so silly there isn't like some big break in reality because there is no reality anyway uh, and it's all about kind of you know creating personas and so on so yeah i agree that it works the the songs are integrated very well also Um, It moves along very quickly. I mean, it's about a two-hour movie, and he really kept things moving. It totally doesn't drag. So that's great.
0: The other thing that just struck me like a bombshell this time was just how great John Travolta is in that role. I think at the time, I was 12 when Grease came out. I'm not sure I saw it in the theater. I definitely knew every word of the songs, and I remember choreographing a routine to it in (laughs) P.E. class in seventh grade. But John Travolta did not appeal to me at the time. Is I mean, he wasn't sexy to me when I was 12. I think because he's so sexual, yeah. like maybe I was still so latent that I just couldn't deal with the intensity <laughs> of John Travolta's attraction. Yeah. Um, he wasn't like a locker pinup for me. But he's unbelievable in that role. He's such a good dancer. Yeah. He really is a born mover. We yeah. were saying coming out of the movie that yeah. it's sort of like Michael Jackson. I mean, yeah. a very different style of dance. But that same kind of thing where his body just
1: moves so beautifully. Yeah.
0: It's, and know. he's funny, incredibly yeah. funny. He's yeah. just perfect in that role.
1: No, he does. He has the the dynamism and the magnetism that Danny Zuko is supposed to have. If you absolutely believe him. I mean, some, like Jeff Conaway as the kind of the second in command in the T-Birds, which is a bit of a joke group. I mean, why would such a cool guy as Danny Zuko be hanging out with those losers in the <laughs> T-Birds? But, you know, they don't. There's only him. I mean, it helps I wonder no if the movie
0: would have survived to the extent that it does without him. I mean, Olivia Newton-John is perfect in her role too, yeah, yeah. Um, but and I guess the two of them, the central couple, Stockard Channing's great I mean, a lot of the, the cast is great, but I feel like the person who really bursts through the screen and who, even if I'd never heard of him and, you know, Vinnie Barbarino and Pulp Fiction and everything else that we know about John Travolta I would still say, who the hell is that guy?
1: For real. And it's funny too that, you know, this was a Robert Stigwood movie uh, it was, you know, made after Saturday Night Fever, there was a Bee Gees wrote a song for it, Grease is the Word, or Barry Gibb wrote it anyway. And so, you know, he obviously already was this dancing star, but still there was a bit of a gamble there um, because, you know, it does involve singing, but he does an amazing job. He does his own singing, right? Yeah, 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 I'm sure.
0: Well, and of course, it also brings in, well, we'll, we'll talk about this when we yeah. talk about how the movie is dated or not dated, but it, it sort of brings the 70s into the 50s, right? Or, or brings the 50s into the 70s, rather. So even though John Travolta is supposed to be this 50s greaser, he's actually sort of dressing and looking like the Saturday Night Fever character, right? And yeah. the, the dancing is really kind of disco influenced, even though it's to 50s rock and roll. Absolutely.
1: He's, uh, he's the Saturday Night Fever character in black rather than in white. But yeah, it's the same guy.
0: So speaking about the the sexiness of John Travolta, so b- both of us were also really struck walking out of this movie to what extent it is just pure sex, 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 sex. Like, I don't uh, think that I really got that in the seventh grade either, that this movie is really – it's not that it has any explicit or raunchy material exactly. It's just that it's almost like a commercial for promiscuity. I mean, it is so pro lots of sex with as many people as possible. And that was sort of amazing and sort of cool. Yeah. I mean, Olivia
1: Newton-John is the good girl. And there are certain things that you see that she's happier for being good. She's not made miserable by some of the things that make the pink ladies miserable. But she finds real joy when she loosens up and decides that she's going to put out, right?
0: And that felt really liberating to me seeing it last night, whereas I think, once again, as a, you know timid about sex, 12-year-old, I sort of thought, like, she went over to the bad side, and the <laughs> yeah. end seems sort of scary to me yeah. when she decides to do her makeover. Yeah. And it seemed so funny and liberating to see it last night. And then another way in which it turns out to be sort of a, an ad for promiscuity is that everything turns out, out all right for Rizzo, for right. Stocker Channing's character, right. who thinks she's pregnant at one point in the mm-hmm. middle of the movie, mm-hmm. and has that great song right about, there are worse things I could do than yes. go with a boy or two. Yes. And essentially, the worst things that she could do is to be a judgmental prude, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then at the end she gets her you know her gift of not being pregnant after all so she doesn't get punished for being the bad girl
1: which is kind of great too. it is great but that scene was really shocking to me the scene where she I forget the the Jeff Conaway character's name uh, Kaniki, Kaniki, she you know she goes with him in a very sort of cynical revengeful kind of get together because she's she's getting her own back on, on Danny Zuko um, and he doesn't or you know, he has a condom but it's old and it Breaks or whatever, and she still lets him, you know, lets him do it. It's like so 12 year old thing to say, but anyway, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> we're all 12. When we're yeah, exactly. We're talking about Greece. Um, and that was really shocking to me. Just as, you know, it's not just pregnancy, but STDs, sister, you know, in our age, in the post AIDS era, especially, you can't be doing that. I mean, it's funny. I, I just saw Mother and Child this week where there's another scene where somebody doesn't use a condom, and you think, Use a condom. You know, I know it's necessary for the plot, but it really is so traumatic for me to see that in in, in movies. But it makes days. you realize
0: that 1978 was a completely different age. I mean, I don't know what this was rated when it first came out. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if PG-13 even existed as a category in 78, but people are smoking like crazy. There's tons of scenes of teenagers driving while drinking beer and smoking, you know, sitting on top of the convertible, like mm-hmm. not belted in in any way. It's just like it's as a PSA. Right. It's, it's a complete failure. Condoms being, you know, chucked yeah. out the window. Yeah. And I mean,
1: I guess it was, I'd forgotten how sexual it was, especially because it's so popular with kids. I mean, that's kind of how it has stayed alive. As far as I know, it seems like young people discover it. They really like the songs. They kind of like the story, but I think it's the songs that draw them in. And now I'm sort of thinking, God, is it really okay to let kids watch
0: that? Like the song Grease Lightning? So raunchy. The song I was dancing to in the seventh grade in PE class is all about like...
1: Well, I'm oh, not even uh, gonna yeah, start exactly. quoting it. No, exactly. And it was interesting too, as you know, we're gonna to get to it in a minute, but you know, we went to the sing along version and the way that works is they put the words on the screen kinda of like karaoke, but they also, you know, give them a little bit of oomph. They use some illustrations and stuff as well. And there were certain words in that song that they didn't actually show that they covered up. Now it wasn't because the words themselves were rude, but it was kind of an indication right. that it was something rude that was being said and, and Again, I, I didn't remember that at all. It's true. Like, they, they couldn't use the verb to
0: cream. Yeah. That was too dirty for them, so they would show, like, a container of whipped cream yes. in the subtitles. Yes. Um, I was going to ask you what you thought of the subtitles as well. They were this sort of goofy, dated, kind of like early MTV style, where instead yeah. of the words, the lyrics just, just appearing at the bottom of the screen, they had to have, like, goofy little illustrations. Yeah,
1: it was, it was a little bit pop up video. Um, I actually kind of felt like it was a piece of a piece with the movie. I mean, the movie starts with this. Odd, you know, the credit sequence is this odd, really dated, you know, kind of cartoony It's a very thing. 70s style cartoon. Yeah. Um, it's very kind of seashore type Mad cartoon. Magazine looking. Yeah, maybe? yeah, yeah. Or, you know, the kind of caricature that you can get when you're at the shore. Um, so it felt like it fit. Um, and it also, again, made me think that they're really aiming at a young audience. Uh, and I, I don't, how is, do you know what this movie is rated now? I don't know what they're, they're releasing,
0: the, uh, what, what rating the release has. I have to check on that. Yeah. But it, I think by today's standard, this would be like a PG-13 kind yeah. of movie. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have any nudity or anything right. like that and very right. little swearing. It's yeah. just that you're very clear that there's a lot going on behind the scenes. There's horny teenagers and their horniness yeah. is not covered up at all.
1: Exactly, yeah. I guess it's, it, it is uh, refreshingly open about stuff.
0: So do you think this will fly as a sing-along re-release? It's a it's a kind of a fun summer idea to take this old movie, slap some titles on it, and see if anybody wants to go and sing along. Based on last night's participation, it was not terrible, but it was not like a rocky horror, like raucous participation. Yeah. And there were some numbers like the hand jive that just people were not hand jiving in the theater. I did yeah. see one couple trying to hand jive, but yeah. it didn't kind of have that electricity. And I wonder if it, it will catch on with younger audiences.
1: Uh, yeah, I wonder too. I mean, I think that there is this built-in audience who already know the songs they probably don 't really need the the karaoke help you know they don 't really need the words um, I think we didn't really have a typical experience last night. I mean when you go to a screening, the movie just starts. there are no previews there's no kind of woo build up for it and it was odd too that the one thing that they did play before the movie was the uh you know now characteristic silence is golden and that's right <laughs> please don't disturb you know don't make a noise during the movie, which you sort of think, oh, you might not want to run that one in this one. I mean, we're used now to being kind of prepared to quieten down. Okay, you've been making noise during the ads. Uh, now just simmer down and sit quietly. So it will be interesting to see if people can kind of overcome that. They seem really. Uh, it seems really easy to make people talk and wrinkle, crinkle things during movies. So I think possibly getting them to sing shouldn't be too bad.
0: It seems like every summer for the last few years, or at least... Every second or third summer, there is a musical that catches on. I mean, Mamma Mia yeah. sort of caught on. Yeah. I don't know if there's been a big musical re-release before that's caught on in the summer. I know Sound of Music tours around from time to time with, you know, sing-along casts yeah. and things like that as kind of a show for kids. Yeah, But this this is kind of a bold – I mean, I guess it was a
1: cheap move probably. So they figured yeah. let's just throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah, I think so. And. I've been to various sing-alongs at festivals and so on, but I don't think I've ever been in a, you know, a big movie theater with a general release crowd. Uh, and it does seem like, it, you know, in a, especially this show, when there don't seem to be a lot of really fun light movies, especially you know, not so much for women, it, I, I suspect that it could be a hit. I I
0: sort of hope it is. I'm I'm cheering for it. I also wanted to note that if you want it to come to your town, they advertise this several times before and after the movie. They're actually doing an online, you know, like a write-in campaign. So Uh, you can go to greasemovie.com and make the movie come to your town if it's not not already coming to your town.
1: Yeah, and I love that. I mean, it's more audience participation. Now you even get to participate in, in getting it to come. I
0: like that model. I really like the grassroots model of bring this to my town and I will see it. Yeah. Well, June, thanks a lot for coming to see Greece with me and singing along. We sang along. Oh, note. we sure did. It's yeah. part of our civic duty. Absolutely. And uh, please join me again for the next musical. I will. Or whatever movie you like. Happily. Our producer is Krishnan Vasudevan. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Andy Bowers. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens.